But with the prosperity gospel thing, it's just like, it's either, well, you just got to keep waiting because, you know, God's got something big in the works for you. Our time's or, not God's time. Our, <laughs> or it's, wow, Satan stole your blessing. Oh, wow. I never heard stuff like that. That's <laughs> oh, yeah, that, was, that was a huge <laughs> thing. Bruce. Just, that sounds that's oh, magic. Sa- right Satan there. stole your blessing and, and God's going to return that sevenfold. He just like swoops in and scoops it up real quick right before it lands on That, that was a convenient thing. God has built Satan. you a mansion and Satan has snuck in in the night and cut all the, all the copper, copper piping out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then took a shit in your toilet and didn't flush it before it landed. <laughs> he upper decker your, your blessing <laughs> toilet. <laughs> your golden toilet is upper decker a very special episode of Growing Up Christian. Uh, I think we're calling this segment uh, Friday Fellowship. Hey, yo. And it's, uh, we're having some of our friends on to talk about just some of the fun things that have had. Just like a, a hanging out. That's kind of what these episodes are. Just like a hangout episode. So today we are joined by Jesse O'Neill, who is long time. How long have you two been friends? Oof, 16 years, something like that. Yeah, started hanging out when I was like 17, right? I had to have been 17. Uh, 16, probably. I drove to his I drove to his house to pick up some CDs. Uh, we had met at like a youth group, and uh, he came to my youth group. But why did we meet, Sam? Because of... Because our mom set us up. No, that's not true. You guys are very wrong. No, okay. this is a no, good our, podcast our, I, I'm telling I'll fix this. I'll set the record straight right. real quick. We met. This is, how can you forget? We met because Jill, my wife, had been hanging out with, before Jill and I were dating, hanging out with Joe, Spencer Towney. They yeah. grew up in, the, they lived in the same town and they started hanging out, talking, whatever. Jill brought Joe to youth group. Joe liked it. The next week, Joe had you bring him. And I hung out with you and Joe that night. That's not I like I the remember. idea that like your mom's matched you like grinder. That's <laughs> that's how I remember it. I remember it it's like a grinder for uh homeschool moms and uh like a homeschool co-op. <laughs> and they just got together and they said, you know, our sons are really unique and i think they'd like each other we should set up a play date i don't even understand how that would have happened that's just that that's the story that's been burned in my memory forever well i gotta say the only other thing i can think of is like maybe if you spotted each other across the the table at youth group and you both were like admiring each other's wallet chains i noticed you (laughs) that looks like a man i could be best friends with Maybe a studded belt, <laughs> an under oath t-shirt. Oh, I mean, that was the connection, but that's why it was because the first time we it had to have been at youth group because, and we, that's, that was the connection we had. No, I didn't meet you before youth group. Yeah. You didn't meet me before youth group. 
we met at youth group. No. <laughs> hey, I didn't, you like right. off-putting music too? This is off to a great yeah, start. I know. Great start, guys. <laughs> this is going really well. Uh, anyway, we've been friends <laughs> since then. And, and then I went to his house. We... Hit it off, however we met. Casey's going to be our couples therapist. Yeah, for the, this is couples this therapy. <laughs> um, I had, then I went to his house, we leveled on music, and then I, I went to his house, because I didn't really have any. I had like four CDs at the time. I can tell you probably what they were. Uh, Emery, Dead Poetic, and um, I can't really think of the other two. Good Christian music. Yeah, one was like a Christian punk band that didn't last too long. And oh, Project 86. I had a Project 86 album. So we connected on music and then. Yeah, that's a good mix. Yeah, right. And then I um, ended up just like borrowing a bunch of albums and realized that I really liked heavier music after that. And it was, uh, that was it. That was the foundation of our friendship was our cool tasted Christian music. So you guys hadn't even really been friends like super long when you moved to Lynchburg. I guess a couple, yeah, probably just, three or four like, years. Yeah. A couple yeah. of years. I was a junior in high school. So it was just, it's kind of like an instant Beboos thing, you know? I remember the first time Sam came over to my house, we had a trampoline and uh, in the backyard. And one of the first things that Sam ever said to me was, you think I could jump off of your roof onto the trampoline? Cool. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if uh, that's a great idea, Sam. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, lawsuit things going. Obviously, I wasn't thinking that, but I uh, let him down easy. I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so when we were living in Lynchburg, this would have been my junior year. So I had been in. I had been at Liberty one year. The second year, I really wanted to get off campus so that uh, April and I could make out someplace. That wasn't my truck, at least. So I was living off campus with our mutual friend Tito and Oscar, which was not his real name. (laughs) And we were basically living with Oscar's girlfriend because she was there all the time. And uh, and then I, I don't remember how you ended up like with us through Tito, I think, right? Because Tito was like, "Hey, you can come in and sleep in the living room and pay yeah. rent." So, <laughs> and Tito just like offers that out there without consulting anybody else. Yeah, he, he totally definitely did. didn't consult Oscar because he was not <laughs> for it. <laughs> uh, he was not I, for me living there either. When I first moved down there, I was allowed to live on campus as a non-student for like a week or 10 days or something, there was like some time period that I was allowed to live on campus as a guest. And being 18 years old, I thought a week is plenty of time to find an apartment in a brand new city where I have no job and no, really no connections. Um, Well, that week expired and right about at the end of that week, I got in a car accident. And I needed a place yeah. to stay. Yeah. You, yeah. Um, I was going to a show. I think you guys were playing. Not the show, show, right? Yeah. I was trying to go to the, the show at Room 180, got in a car accident, 
And through that, Tito just offered a place to live. And he was like, yeah, you can crash on our couch without consulting any of the other roommates. And I took him up on it immediately. So that's, that's where it started. For you. So there was kind of a weird idea. There was like a weird dynamic in that apartment because Tito, who's kind of like the life of the party, had uh, agreed to live with Oscar. And Oscar and his girlfriend, like I said, she was basically living there. She was there all the time. And they really liked the idea of like them living with Tito. I think they had it framed in their brain as some sort of like little sitcom scenario. Yes, and so absolutely. when Tito invited <laughs> me to live there, they were not like hostile, hostile, but they made it clear that they didn't want me there. And I remember like going into that apartment for the first time and I'm like kind of getting a lay of the land, putting my stuff in place and everything. And I noticed that Oscar had bought Oscar and Lindsay had bought all three of them uh, coffee cups with their names on it and they had them hanging up (laughs) Oscar, Tito and Lindsay. And I was like, what's going on here? Like, it was they were kind of like the Kramer in that or Tito was like the Kramer in that scenario. What a great way to tell you that you are not welcome. <laughs> yeah, I did not get a coffee cup and Jesse definitely didn't get a coffee cup. I feel like he was kind of a douche to you. <laughs> I barely got bathroom privileges. Dude, they were uh they were straight humping in that apartment. Yeah. Yeah, that was the impression I got is that they were not um Living under the Liberty Way. <laughs> had no respect for it. They had about as much respect for the Liberty Way as Jerry Jr. did, so that's cool. Yeah, for real. Dude, he's going to uh, lose his his, uh, his severance package. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, $10 million lawsuit filed against him. That's pretty sick. Yeah, the school filed this lawsuit against him this week, I think it was, right? Yeah. And... Uh, for for breach of contract and for like i guess they were they were saying he wasn't honest with the board or whatever anyways not an interesting story but it'd did be you guys funny uh, if they took it. did you guys ever have much interaction with jerry jr do you ever meet him no i don't think anybody did interesting uh as a non-liberty student who happened to live in lynchburg i had the pleasure of meeting Jerry Jr. and Becky at a baseball game. Uh, oh, when, dude, were you their we pinch went... hitter? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me get to it, Casey. <laughs> uh, no, we went. We went to wa- uh, watch our wonderful roommate Oscar play for Liberty University baseball, and we ended up sitting directly in front of Jerry Jr. and Becky, and Becky was taking pictures of us like asking us if we could take pictures and i didn't understand at the time i thought they were just being nice people like they were trying to convince me to come to liberty because they they asked if i went there i said no they were like oh you should come and then uh she she just asked if she could take pictures of us and at the time i didn't think anything of it but since uh certain events have come to light now I'm wondering, 
what what uh, that was all about. They were grooming him. Yeah, is what it seems Dude, like. That's. They're like, do you go to Liberty? No. Oh, interesting. <laughs> that's actually plays to our advantage. There is like. Becky's never had a bearded boy. <laughs> his, his body's not pool boy material, but uh, he's not bad. Be like, we uh, we definitely can't get caught fucking students. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. Well, Jesse ended up, we, we only lived together for like one year and then. But then you ended up joining the band yep. with me and the guys. So guitarist moved away. And so Jesse jumped in on our band, The Poison Written, and was just the, the creative juices we needed. You sure about that? <laughs> I mean, I, you guys took off right afterwards. I, I don't remember writing anything for you guys, but... I remember you specifically saying, like, if you guys are moving away, I'm not writing anything for this band. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> it was fun, though. That was like a fun period to do the band thing. I feel like we had a, a group that got along really well. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was a tag along. I was the I wish I could have done music guy, but never really did. It was like you and. uh And. Never mind. I'm not going to talk about Dude, I, I feel like I've never really heard your story, like how you grew up, and it sounds like it was interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm coming to find out that, you know, listening to a lot of your guests and, and looking at the, the Discord and Instagram interactions, uh, that my upbringing was pretty similar to a lot of other people's um but yeah i just i grew up in a very conservative strict christian evangelical home um you know i was converted as you may say at the tender age of four or five when i had zero understanding of any of life's implications and and how any of that would play out. Who led that? Um, Who uh, led the, will you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? That would be my mother. Yeah. I didn't think it was your dad. <laughs> no. Not really sure where my dad stands on any of it. Kind of get the feeling that he may have just been along for the ride. But the Republican Party is his Lord and Savior. Yeah. That's a, uh, <laughs> that's a accurate <laughs> description of my dad. But... Yeah, just uh, grew up going to church, Wednesday night services, Sunday morning services, youth group on Friday or whatever night we had youth group and really bought in hard for, you know, 18 to 20 years of my life. One of the things I'm going to jump in here and steal some of your thunder, I um, because I was like a super good youth group boy, I... Uh, I remember through like, I guess my junior and senior year, Jesse being like, I don't know, like he was one of the, he had like, oh, his like questions. There wasn't always like feeling it. And, um, but felt bad about that. Like he's a good Christian. So kudos for the shame. And he, 
I remember always being like somewhat like, oh, I got to like, no, I was always, I've mentioned this before on the podcast anyway, but I was always nervous when I thought there were people who might not like keep the faith. And I, I was like, it always made me a little bit nervous. I was like, I hope my friend doesn't lose his way because that would really be a major bummer if my best friend burned in hell for all of eternity. And that dynamic worked really well because Sam was my spiritual leader. You know, he was my mentor <laughs> in life. And I looked up to him as the the great Christian man that, you know, I wanted everybody to talk to. I was. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was the he was the most legit, too legit to quit, even oh, yeah. still. Yeah, even still, just a different kind of non-quitting. Uh, it, what, <laughs> I guess it depends you, on who you talk to, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and it depends on when I'm talking. The amount of times that I don't know what to say when I'm trying to explain to people, it's like, I think I'm still a I'm a Christian. Sometimes it's like, I'm a Christian still. Other times it's like, I guess I'm like a Christian. I don't know. And then other times it's like, I don't it, it gets weird. I feel like it's super hard to like pin it down and, and it depends on the day, but <laughs> it's like your, uh, it's like your name was written in the, the book of life and God is trying furiously to erase it, but it's still just kind of like the lingering shadow of it's there. <laughs> Predestined. And just to say if that counts or not. It, I don't know. It doesn't. Anyway, I guess according to pastor Mike, Sorry, Pastor Mike. <laughs> uh, he's never going to live it. We set him up for that so bad, and he'll never live it down. And I'll never stop bringing it up. So thanks for the the uh, playback on that joke. And Jesse, yours is out now, right? You got white out over yeah. your name. Yeah, I'm. I've been scrubbed from the book, but not before uh, I got, you were. Uh, I, I traded it in for fruits. a one way ticket to hell. But you were for a while, you know, trying to trying to keep it together. You attended multiple youth groups. Uh, yeah, I, I would like... say around. Uh, so, so I was homeschooled uh, K through eighth grade, and uh, around freshman year of high school is when I was let loose into the world, and it just completely destructed all my beliefs and um i i tried furiously to come back many times um you know probably there's a good two years where i just said you know i don't believe any of this stuff i'm i'm out and then around like junior year in high school i i i started coming back to it and um come to find out that a lot of that was just uh OCD and just thinking and just like trauma <laughs> just bubbling up saying like, you know, you, you have to live your life this certain way or else like everybody's going to think you're um, just a fraud. You're on the wrong path. And that was about the time where I started going to like two youth groups a week, two church services a week, just trying to like get back to um, being a, a good Christian boy. And uh, come to find out, it just, it didn't work. 
<laughs> and I feel like that's a, a lot of people's story. Um, yeah, I would yeah, say I you, just... Are you kind of... Uh, like now, are you kind of like... Uh, are you in a... I feel like my impression has always been that you're kind of like me and that you're just not really interested in like spirituality and stuff now, or is that inaccurate? Uh, no, that's pretty accurate. You, you've kind of coined the definition like an apathetic agnostic. And I think that fits really well to, to where I believe what I believe. Um, I think there, there are a lot of times where I think like, yeah, there, there definitely could be, you know, something out there it could be something real, but then I just don't really care enough to look into it further. It just doesn't, it's, it's just not what I'm into. But as a, uh, like as once in a while you have like me, a moment. I remember going to, um, sorry, I, <laughs> One of the top ranking members in the Lord's Army, I remember going to the, some of the youth groups that he would go to. Like, I, I mean, I liked that stuff. Anyway. I was like, oh, I'm interested. Like, he was my friend, so I was, like, interested in whatever he was, like, was working for him. But they had a uh, – this is where the things – this is where things crossed a little bit. And I realized that we had slightly different understandings of what was, uh, what was legit and uh, – one of the youth groups that he was going to, or the only one I ever really went to with him was uh, they had a woman youth pastor. I wasn't sure about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I let it go because I was just glad that my friend had found something <laughs> that was working for him. And I want to thank him because for, for me being able to accompany him there to check in and make sure he was on the right path, all of this is like super subconscious too. We never had these conversations at the time. It was just, we had certain thoughts about what was going on and, and what was true and what was real. And it's like, I, I, I wasn't really like at the time, like, let me, let me be the spiritual police. Let me try to like make sure he doesn't lose his way. It was more like, you know, I just believed that X, Y, and Z was so correct that it was important to me to be a resource for anyone who was, maybe having questions or something like that. It was, it wasn't like, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't just craft onto anyone that I thought might be like, not so sure about the way we grew up. Uh, our friendship wasn't based on that or anything like that, but anyway, but going to this youth group, uh, you know, they were taking a trip to an acquire the fire and I got introduced to acquire the fire through just, I never would have had that experience. And that was life-changing in ways that i didn't expect <laughs> i'd like to hear your perspective of what acquire the fire yeah. meant to you well i even at my like most like conservative evangelical i left that acquire the fire being like this is a little much we had brought two of our <laughs> we brought two of our non-christian friends hoping they'd get saved and one of them we're still friends with and he doesn't remember the experience at all. He blocked <laughs> it out completely. He, that's like an, his, his brain recognized that as a traumatic experience and erased it completely. <laughs> so if he went to another acquire the fire, he'd probably experience some sort of really interesting re-traumatization. I wouldn't mind bringing him to one just to see if he like short circuited or something. But, um, 
the the message it was, was like, acquire the fire an all nighter. It was like a two day thing, uh, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like a it was like a weekend thing, and I think it went from like midday or morning to you know like a ten eleven at night, and then the youth groups that traveled to these events, like usually there was like a host host church where you would all go back to and sleep on the floor or something. I, I, at least that was the case for yeah. the time that we went. I just remember sleeping in a church basement. I, I don't have a lot of memory of like the traveling to and from and how that all worked out. But it, their, their message at that one was like all about, it's all about not wearing guess, secular... uh, sexual purity. No. Well, <laughs> I think that, that problem, that definitely came up. Not listening <laughs> to secular music. That was part of it. It was all about not lit, like wearing secular brands. So like, yeah, yeah. If you had like an Abercrombie and Fitch shirt, you should get rid of that and get like a and go buy an Acquire the Fire yeah. shirt for forty five dollars. Wasn't there at a the merch table? Wasn't there a Christian like? Didn't they take the uh, a breadcrumb and fish was the Christian one? Do you guys remember that? <laughs> Oh no! I don't remember that, but uh, it's like, so it's, it's I thought I was going to struggle through that memory, and I I didn't. I was, I'm glad that came to me. A breadcrumb and fish was the uh, in the Abercrombie and Fitch logo, like font style. That was pretty cringy. But get yeah, rid of I that. Never went to that. acquire the fire. <laughs> just just set up their merch table like uh, like right at the exit. No, there were like. 30 merch tables. Yeah, it was like Vendor City. Yeah, it was like in an arena and there were just merch tables everywhere. And um, I went to, I don't know, I probably went to like four throughout my whole youth group career. And every single year, uh, it was the same thing. It was don't have sex before marriage. Uh, If you listen to... Blink 182, listen to Reliant K instead. Uh, be in the world, not of the world. And this is how you do it by buying our merch instead of wearing Abercrombie and Fitch. It, it was it was a stretch, man. Like how they how they really tried to get you to abide by Christian culture. It was they took some far leaps, but I mean, you know, for a time, like people like me and myself included, like really bought into it. Yeah. There was a, I think they always get like big bands to play. It was really so par for the course type of like outreach event too. It was like, bring your friends. It's really cool. Cause we're well, going to have music and they would always like what skillet was probably there like a number of times. Yeah. I want to say they might have been there. Yeah. I, I want to say Skillet might have been there the year I went. But we weren't even into music like that. Like the music I remember just was kind of just like we I remember standing there and being like, uh but I also remember specifically like the praise and worship music aspect of it because our non-Christian friends who came with us were just standing there probably like, what the fuck is going on? Like they hadn't ever really been to a church as far as I know. Like that wasn't, they didn't have that experience. It wasn't like they had came from like religious families. So like for them to be there, they were definitely considered it strange. I mean, I remember them thinking it was weird at the time, despite the fact that one of our friends doesn't have any memory of it. So I think that's, 
I mean, it didn't leave an impression. It didn't scare him into salvation as they <laughs> attempted to do. I feel they like Cutlass really... is like a good band for that. Oh, yeah. It, maybe that, that would have been a good band. I don't know if they were there. I honestly, there's like, there's a lot of, probably all of the like good stuff and fun stuff has been blocked out of my memory. And just the traumatizing parts have, <laughs> have stuck around. But, um, just like Cutlass and Zoe Girl headlining or something just like the most bland white bread horrible music yeah yeah no that was that was that was it do you guys remember stellar cart yeah i don't remember any of their songs same i don't i remember refusing to listen to them based on the fact that they had the shittiest band name ever (laughs) (laughs) so stupid (laughs) So Dude. one thing that's also different that I'm going to make Jesse talk about is um, he came from like a name it and claim it background too. Like I, so I didn't have any of that prosperity gospel stuff. Um, I, I kind of had this idea. I remember actually even talking to him a couple of times about it. Weird. You know, when like weird conversations that are probably irrelevant in the grand scheme of things, like you'll just remember clearly. I, I remember having a, like we, Jesse and I went to um, purple door festival in pennsylvania once i actually did we go two years in a row or do we only go one year together i don't remember remember. but i remember having a conversation about those types of things sitting we were just like sitting on like some like wall having a conversation about whether or not spiritual gifts and continued to exist in today's world like speaking in tongues and laying hands on people and faith healings and things like that and uh but because that was his background and uh i that's way different than the background I came from. So I remember those crossroads, but uh, I, from our conversations, Jesse, those have certainly had a lot to do with some of the issues that you've, <laughs> that have presented themselves in, as an adult. Yeah. It's uh, it's really funny. The things that you remember that are completely wiped from my memory. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up in a very charismatic church environment um which is kind of weird for new england like you think you think like southern like in in the south you know you have all the speaking in tongues and stuff but it was pretty alive and well here in massachusetts and um yeah a lot of like you know if you if you want that rolex watch like claim it god's gonna give it to you if you want that mercedes-benz it was just a lot of prosperity health and wealth gospel um a lot of laying on of hands healing people passing out in the spirit people running around speaking in tongues yelling screaming like i i witnessed my mom do that and like close family friends just acting like complete lunatics in church services um which is like deeply terrifying, like looking back on it. Like when I was growing up in it, I just thought, this is great. This is normal. Everybody should do this. But now looking back on it, it's like, it was weird shit, man. It was really weird. Yeah. I I can't imagine like my dad doing that. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I would do if I had to watch him do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I always think about that when I see like those Benny Hinn video or even the, um, what the fuck? Uh, the COVID-19 guy. Oh, Kenneth. Kenneth Copeland. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Like watching Kenneth him Copeland. do that stuff. It's whenever you watch those, like the showmen, like go off. I can't, I'm past the point of knowing whether or not they've deluded themselves into believing that it's true or if they just can't let go, like if they believed it at one point and then as it just like snowballed, they're like, I, I don't really have a choice, but to just keep going into this, this hard. Like I have no, oh, I think they're psychopaths. On. Yeah. I think, no, I think they, you're, a, if you're rising to that level, like you're the, you're the type of psychopath that it doesn't like, there is no believe it or don't believe it. Like you believe what's convenient for what you need out of people. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably a lot of, there's probably a lot of truth to that. Yeah, I don't think we ever went to see Kenneth Copeland speak, but there were a num a, a number of like bigger name traveling preachers at the time, you know, through the nineties and early two thousands that we would, you know, they would they would travel around to different churches in the area and they would they would speak and like people would come from all over to come hear them speak this, you know, amazing message of health, wealth, prosperity, all that. And we would go, we would go to those church services. We would travel, you know, an hour or two to, to go out to these church services. And, you know, there was always a, uh, like a special offering at the end of the service that, you know, if you, if you want to be blessed, if, if you want to, if you want your blessing to come back tenfold, you know, give, give what your heart is leading, you know, what God is leading you to give. And it's just, it was just a scam. Like I watched my, my parents, I watched my friend's parents just give away, just piss away money to these mega preachers that are, you know, buying private jets and shit. The only to they, watch like our like people's net financial status never change. It was just like it stayed the same. It wasn't like yeah, never saw the return right. on yeah, that investment. Of, of course, like my I, we didn't grow up in any sort of wealth or anything. God never delivered on that promise of wealth, and and that's like, the scam. I think like I I can kind of see where people get caught in that because it's a, it's a similar sort of like. Uh, motivation is to like buying lottery tickets yeah like we all, all you know need that. is like one little good thing to happen and then you say oh well the return on investment is great <laughs> and then you just keep doing it you're like oh if, you know because that's that's what they give you is if you're faithful with a little bit you know your god is going to be faithful with a lot so you give a little bit and then something good happens by chance and then you say well next time I'm going to give triple that and, and I'm going to get triple the blessing. And it just, it doesn't really work out that way. It's like you want so bad to see it, you know? And it, you think about like, okay, buying lottery tickets, like buying lottery tickets, you get two things. You get this long shot at winning some money. Right. But most of what you get is like, the prospect of life changing event. That's what yeah, people yeah. buy it for. Right. A lottery ticket is like a gift certificate for hope. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I, for the split second that I have this ticket and I either, you know, however long it takes me to scratch it off or I have to wait for them to read the Powerball numbers on their news or whatever. Like I have this window of time where there's a possibility that this could change my life right here. And it's like this little flutter of like of hope and, and, uh, and anxiousness. But I feel like, you know, a lottery ticket shuts down so quick, right? You like you scratch it off or they read the numbers off. You didn't win anything and it's done. You goes in the garbage. All of that feeling is out the window. Like the prosperity gospel stuff plays on the same emotions, but it's something that never has like a stop point. And yeah. It's like you said, you want so bad to find the good thing that's happened to you as a result. Like you need it to be a good thing. You need to see how God's blessed you because you did the right thing. Like you get, you feel good about yourself forgiving and then you get to feel good. Like there's a chance that, that God's just going to bring some magnificent blessing on you. And it just keeps going and going and going. Yeah. It's like if you spend $5 on a lottery ticket and you win back $7, you, you get that hope that like, something good is happening. So you take that $7 and then you buy more lottery tickets. And I don't know, like, like you said, with lottery tickets, it's, it's right away. You might lose all of it or you might win back $10 and you take that $10. But with the prosperity gospel thing, it's just like, it's either, well, you just got to keep waiting because, you know, God's got something big in the works for you. Our time's or, not God's time. Our, <laughs> or it's, Wow, Satan stole your blessing. Oh wow, I never heard stuff like that. That's a- <laughs> oh, yeah, that was that was a huge <laughs> Bruce. That sounds oh, magic. Sa- right Satan there. stole your blessing, and and God's gonna return that sevenfold. He just like swoops in and scoops it up real quick right before it lands on. That, that was a convenient. Thing God has built Satan. you a mansion, and Satan has snuck in in the night and cut stole all the, all copper, the copper piping out of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and then took a shit in your toilet and didn't flush it before you left. He <laughs> upper decker your, your blessing toilet. <laughs> your golden toilet is upper deckered. <laughs> Satan rubbed a booger on the wall above your heavenly urinal. Dude, it's funny because I remember, even though I, I didn't subscribe to, I quote unquote didn't subscribe to health and wealth stuff. Um, I'll never forget my first year at Liberty. Like, and this was after I started, was, it must have been after I started going to that prayer group uh, that I had mentioned in the past where it was just like, pray for big things. Man, I remember all the times that I tried, like, I, I would every morning wake up and like for a long time, I was like fervently praying for quote unquote revival on the campus. Whatever the fuck that meant. I just knew that like, that was what people were praying for. Like, and that it was like, you know, I was, I was a fairly self-righteous person uh, without realizing it, of course, but uh, judging everybody who, who lived in sin and drank before they were 21 or got drunk or had sex or smoked weed or whatever it was. I had a million things that made the list of why, and I abstained and I was such a rule follower that it was easy for me to abstain. I shouldn't, I don't know if easy is the right word, but I just had the resolve to do it. And I, that's, there's probably a million reasons why, but I just remember like all these prayers that I had about like everyone just basically I was probably praying for everyone to be just like me and care just like me and think just like me. So like 
even for like, I mean, this went on for months and months and months. And I was like, I remember really questioning at that time whether or not like, this is not going to happen or it's not, right? Maybe I can, like, I think if I do this and enough other people do it, we can change God's mind and something magical is going to happen. And for me, I think I was really looking for validation. Like if I prayed for that and then I saw that, it would be like, that's what I need to know for fucking sure that I am right about everything. Did you watch Recess back in the day? Yes, goddamn, oh, yeah. that was a good show. <laughs> Did you identify with uh, Randall? Which was, one was Randall? He wasn't the bard kid, was he? He was the one like this that went, Miss Finster, Miss Finster! Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, I wasn't a snitch. Uh, so, no, I was if there was anything I wasn't, it was like people apparently felt safe around me. Cause, um, I would be like the one, like one of the few kids, maybe the only kids sometimes who would just be hanging out. Like there was always probably a couple. And, and that's what you get for being in a Christian school where kids weren't always drinking, but even at the party house, it'd be like, I would just be hanging out and not drinking, not smoking, just a good straight laced kid. And people didn't mind me being there because Liberty was a weird place. Like parties were scary at Liberty because every once in a while, a kid would get dragged to it and then they'd snitch. And then everyone in the party could get kicked out of school if they went to Liberty. So like you really weren't allowed to be at parties or you wouldn't really know about them unless people trusted you. Did you ever think to yourself, like I'm in the world, but not of the world? Oh yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was the king of that. (laughs) <laughs> it's funny. It's like, I think it's easy, especially now to like despise the kind of like self-righteous things that some of these people do. Like, uh, ah oh man, somebody, maybe it was dirty rotten church kids this week posted a, a meme that was like Christians, uh, I'll pray for you. And then it said the prayer. And it was like, I hope that people like Joshua Harris and so and so experience the full wrath of God that will guide them back to <laughs> like basically playing for them to be punished. I think sometimes it's like I have a little bit of sympathy for those people because I honestly think a lot of them don't understand how like self-righteous and unbearable they're being. I mean, not that guy, but normal people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, why do you think we invited our high school friends to acquire the fire we wanted them to be like us we we didn't care about their happiness or like what they believed or anything we just we were so ingrained in the lie that everybody had to be on our team that we were recruiting for their team or i mean our team we were i think we were just so convinced that our message and way of life was the only way to truly be happy and maybe we were concerned about their happiness. We were just like soaked, like we were told that there is no real path to joy and true happiness. Like the, yeah, they, the church loved to delineate between joy and happiness, right? And, you know, you're happy when you're coming inside of a vagina, but the joy is sucked away <laughs> from you. <laughs> Boy, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. That was like such a... Uh, consistent message all the way along and that that's i've talked about it before but like that's part of what eventually like maybe start scratching my head was like constantly selling you this idea 
that like, oh, people around you look happy, but they're dying inside. They're yeah. empty. Yeah. Their yeah. life is meaningless. Like there's no sense of purpose outside of uh, outside of the church. Yeah. Did you did you ever experience any sort of happiness or joy like believing that? Um I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I feel like what I remember is all the times that I didn't and felt like it was my fault that I wasn't like I wasn't doing it right. And so that I didn't feel that. I mean, I feel like that's those memories stick out in my head more, but I I had to, I have to think that there was some semblance of that at least part of the time. Yeah. I think for me, like I, while I was like going through it and just, you know, fully buying into everything, I was like, just had like a, smile plastered on my face. Like, yeah, I'm joyful. I have the joy of the Lord in my heart. I, everything's great. Even though like, I'm not truly happy. I'm depressed. I anxiety, like all these things. It's like, I have Jesus and everything's great. Looking back on it being, you know, a few years removed. It's like, none of that stuff brought me joy. Like none of it. And, and while I was going through it and, and trying to like put on a fake smile and say, you know, convince my, my friends who weren't Christians or even my friends who were Christians that I'm, you know, I'm full of joy. I'm great. I'm doing great. Um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't real. Like none of it really brought any true joy. Like it, it was just, it just wasn't there. And, and I think I just kind of believed what, you know, my pastors were telling me is like, you know, if you just stick with it, you just keep going, like you'll, you'll get through this. Jesus will deliver you through this. And that's just not the case. You know, I almost feel like there's a, something going on there between like, there's like, internal focus and external focus and like the internal focus is the hard work of like actually examining like how you feel about these things actually examining like your relationship with those things and that was stuff that was hard and that i think i didn't really get a lot of positivity out of like because i never felt secure i never felt like i was getting what everybody else was getting out of the message out of the praise music out of any of that stuff. Yeah. But I can there was- to that a hundred percent. Like I looking back on it, being really like removed from it and just looking at it from, uh, from an outside perspective, I, I realize now, like I never believed any of it. I never got none of it ever like truly touched me. Like it, it, it was, it was something, it was a goal that I was working so hard to achieve just because it was what was, I guess, expected of me. It was, it was the only culture I knew. And after, you know, just kind of taking some time away from it, like I'm realizing like all that work was 
completely fruitless. Like I, I never really believed any of this stuff. I remember like sitting in church services and watching people during praise and worship, they would raise their hands, they would be singing, they would be like seemingly whether they were truly or not, were really into it. And I was just sitting there being like, this doesn't affect me at all. This is just bad music. And, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, like really simplistic, bad music where you play the chorus 14 times in a row and you claim that the spirit's leading you to do that. But I don't know, man, it just, it, none of it ever really truly affected me. And I think I finally got to yeah, a point and like where when I was you did try to get into it. Oh yeah, I try. I mean, like I, I try to like try. put your hands up and stuff. Then you just felt uncomfortable. Like you felt yeah. like an imposter. Yeah. I, I tried hard to get into it. Like I, that, that is one thing that I will say is like, I, I gave Christianity like the biggest effort I could. And it just, I never believed it. Like I just, I thought that was what was expected of me. So I claimed to believe it, but it just wasn't, it wasn't true. It wasn't true for me. I think what can be weird too about, you think that's like sort of the, some of like the idea of belief is like when you grow up in it and you're not really exposed. Well, you ended up being more exposed to another worldview just simply because you went to high school, but there is this like, when which you, is every parent's fear Yeah, is that you'll get out into the world and they'll, well, every Christian parent's fear is that they will actually corrupt you, which I don't know. Maybe there is some truth to that, but yeah, I just call it being real. Yeah. It's when you, when you're given this message your entire life, it as a kid, kids just believe whatever they're told from their authorities. So like, I mean, naturally my kids are going to believe the things that I think for the longest time. I don't even have to tell them they're true. I can just be myself. And they will absorb that and believe that it's true. And when they encounter anything that says something differently, they're just going to recognize it as a falsehood, whether or not it is or not. That's how they're going to perceive it. And I think that's what's weird for us who were in Christian bubbles for so long, like you and I, Casey, where we went, it was like just church, Christian school, homeschool within a Christian environment, Christian college. You know, it wasn't until after that that any of us started really reconsidering and my reconsidering looked different than yours. Uh, but we didn't really feel super free to do that until after we were, and I left that bubble into that bubble, but you just get to a point in your life where you're like, Oh, I'm allowed to just explore other options and read things that might not be considered okay and come to new conclusions. So you just, and you're not looking for new conclusions. Like that's, what's funny about anyone. We're all just coasting through life, trying to find like a way for it to make sense of it and, and make our way to this world. Like, I wasn't like, you know what? I think I want to just believe liberal things now. Like I didn't just decide to be a liberal Christian. It was just a path that was like, this is what makes, when I observe the world, this is what makes sense to me. 
And ironically, it looks similar to the way that other people might live regardless of their faith, but it's just like, I don't know, experience draws new conclusions for sure. Like going back to the subject of like joy, what did you get joy out of those things, you know, out of that stuff? Like I think, and I wonder, okay, so this is something I haven't thought about before, but I was teasing out as we were talking here is like, there's a big, I think there's a lot of kids in that age group, you know, and I know I was in that where you kind of get sucked into the apologetic side of things, you know, learning all the arguments to defend the right view of the viewpoint of thing. And, and I feel like that's more of an external focus. Like that's you looking outward and picking out what's wrong with other people's beliefs with full confidence that your memorized message is correct. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that external focus maybe offered more joy and, and purpose than, than looking inward and saying, do I really believe this? Like, this doesn't ring true to me. Like, why is that? And how do I fix it? Or how do I deal with that? I feel like when you, when you're constantly looking around you and saying like, you know, what's wrong with the world over there is that these kids are having sex before marriage and these kids are, are drinking and uh, the Catholics believe this and that's totally wrong. Like those, those apologetics points where you're just like learning arguments are almost more fulfilling for at least for people like me anyways, that wasn't feeling it on the internal level than, than that, like the introspective part of growing as a, as a Christian. Yeah, I will. I think people just mistake the feeling. Everyone, every human, everywhere, at any point in time, loves the feeling of being right. It makes you feel so fucking good, and I think that's just what's mistaken for joy. So you dig deep into apologetics, and you're like, "I felt fucking amazing when I had all the right things to say, and that person looked like an idiot." Like, I don't know. That's why I loved apologetics. It made me feel good. I was able to convince myself also that. Uh, the things that I believed about it were true in a way that just didn't necessarily add up. I, I didn't have to add up. It was just like, let me just set them up and knock them down and then I'll feel good about myself. That is, think, a, that's a very good way of putting. Like I think for the me, the joy of being right is better than the joy of trying to grapple with the fact that like, you don't have any sort of emotional connection to the things that you're talking about. Yeah, I think the with Christians is they just have like a like a certainty anchor where they just they can latch onto this one thing that gives them hope. Where for me, the the thing that kind of brought me out you know, out into a broader perspective of joy or happiness or whatever is I realized that everybody's going through the same shit, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, like everybody's dealing with financial issues, depression, mental health issues, like anything, anything and everything. Everybody's really going through all pretty much the same stuff, but the, the Christian culture just has that kind of directs you back to, well, like, yeah, everybody has things going wrong in their life, but you have Jesus, you have joy, you have this certainty. 
And it, everybody kind of was the same. The only thing, like everybody would complain about the same issues. Everybody would have the same gripes. Everybody would vent about the same things. And the only difference was, was Christians would just tag it with, but God is faithful. Like that, that's the only, that's the only difference. It's, it doesn't change the fact that like you need to go to therapy or you need to, you know, get a new job, get a new job <laughs> or like do any of these things to like progress your life. It's just the only difference was non-Christians maybe just kind of learned how to deal with stuff on their own or like found found their way out of situations in a different way. But Christians were just like, God's going to get me through this. But in reality, like Christians just maybe took a little bit longer to figure out that they just had to get their shit straight by their, by themselves. Dude, I remember being like, like early teenage years and stuff. Like we heard so many messages about like, lust and sexual sin and stuff like that. And I don't know that it was necessarily like taught this way, but the way I interpreted what was being taught was like, if you are having trouble with these things, there's something wrong with you. Like Christians oh, don't have those feelings. And I remember like it, it was like years before, like I, I remember my friend and I kind of like we, confided in each other that we both like struggled with lust and whatnot, you know, and I, <laughs> dude, I remember I was, I was like, I couldn't believe that there was another, there was like another person in our group that was having trouble with those things. I, and I was like, I was like dumbfounded. I'm like, Oh, thank God. I found somebody else that is, you know, like, meanwhile, everyone, <laughs> every dude in the youth group is, is just, beating it raw <laughs> i have my i'm gonna throw put my younger brother on blast real quick and i know he won't care if i share the story but um he was you know my brother had the same my bro, younger brother doesn't consider himself a christian anymore but he went through all the same stuff like he went did youth group did all the bible studies everything it was like youth group boys bible study church everything and and he was trying to connect with it and he was doing this with one of the studies he was doing with a bunch of other boys. I don't know if he was in high school at the time. I think he must've been in high school at the time. And I remember hearing, uh, he might've been the one tell me, I don't remember, but it was just like, he was the only one. There was how many boys there, all of them in high school. He was the only one that was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Sometimes I look at porn and everyone was just like quiet for a minute. And then it was like, Boom, floodgates opened. Every single kid there was like, oh, I guess sometimes I do too. And then they were actually, <laughs> and what's funny is like, I don't know what it was that made my brother feel like he could just say those things. And he's still kind of like that where he's always been able to just be truthful about who he is. And that's a fantastic quality to have and one that usually gets squashed out of kids who grew up in evangelicalism. For but real. It just, all it took was honesty. And you know what was funny is like that conversation despite the fact that, you know, I would, and we would all disagree that like these kids need to feel horrible about that. It's just, it allowed them a lot of freedom. Cause even once it came up, like the youth pastor at the time, he knew everybody was, but you can't just tell everybody they are. 
Like, come on, man. We know. We know what you did. But once they talked about it, it was like, and even kind of reduced some of the shame that came with it. It was just like, yeah, this is all really normal stuff. Of course, there was still the message of like, you know, just there's a way to, I don't know, seek God. Maybe you won't do it as much anymore. But it really actually like allowed people to feel like just better uh, just because they could talk about it. And it's just, I think that's one of the problems is like we, there's so much repression and refusal to talk about it, you know? Sam, do you remember? 100%. Do you remember when I confessed to you? <laughs> um, so there was a time, there was a time where I, I was done with Christianity and I was going to, I was going to make my way in the world. And this was in high school. I had a girlfriend. We were having premarital sex, <sighs> just horrible, horrible people. And in, in that time, so there, there, that's a, that's a whole fucking story that it would take forever to take, to tell. But uh, in that time that I was dating her, I ended up coming back to the faith and started going to youth group and everything. Started and bringing her. So good. Started job. bringing her, tried to convert her. That was a lot of fun. Caused a lot of conflict in her family. Really great times. Um, but we, you know, for some reason, a, a 16 or 17 year old boy just couldn't keep it in his pants once he got a taste. And um, I, I, I just started feeling so guilty, just like keeping me up at night guilt about my, my sexual sin that it was burning a hole in my heart and I, I had to tell somebody. So obviously I go to my spiritual mentor, Sam Shimon, <laughs> and confessed and, and made it this like, to me, it was this like huge emotional thing. Like, get we're we're having sex, and I don't know. I I don't know what you felt about that, Sam. We never really talked about it afterwards, but you know, I felt a little bit better. I got that burden of <laughs> sin off my chest, and uh, I'd like to hear your. <laughs> <laughs> it's I remember the I remember that specifically because we were watching. So I had a, a giant bedroom. Me and my brother shared it. And we had a couch like right in the middle of it and then like facing a TV and like it was a pullout couch. And it was, uh, we would, I remember us laying down, we pulled out the couch into a bed. We we're just like laying down on it, watching a movie. Yeah. See this, I remember. This is vividly. the pillow talk. This yeah. is the pillow talk comes in. He like rolls over and looks at me. No, I don't know exactly what the specifics were, but it was, um, I remember when you Sam, it. do you know what a mountaineer is? <laughs> I'm shooting more ropes than a mountaineer. <laughs> I remember him telling me, I, I really remember being like, I don't remember showing a lot of shock. It was just like, Oh, Oh, I'll, like, pr I'll pray for you, brother. I don't even He's like, don't. what's it like? Yeah. <laughs> like, Can I try? Can I come? Can I just watch? <laughs> And now I don't, man, I really don't remember. I just remember being like, ah, oh, well, here's another one who didn't make it. No, I, <laughs> I, I really just, it's, I just remember the conversation distinctly, but I don't actually remember much of my reaction. But the fact that you don't remember me being like, 
oh boy and giving you like a shame message is kind of cool i feel like at that point even in my life i knew like this is what most people are doing and you know yeah it's probably some sort of pray about it thing or i really can't even imagine what i said i i wish i could remember i wish you remembered i don't remember what you said i don't you could have said nothing and just the fact that i was able to you know relieve that burden of sin off my chest was you know was enough (laughs) confession that's why catholics do confession for the amount of time that like yeah (laughs) evangelicals shit on catholics it's like everybody loves that everyone wants to find that person they can just like spill their guts to and you just do it and you walk away and you're like oh okay i'm good for another week i guess (laughs) did did uh, so when you guys like when you guys first started having sex, were you out of the faith at that point in time? Yeah. yeah you can't have sex did, unless you are. So well, Right. <laughs> I mean, even if you claim it, you know. But so did you have like feelings of guilt after the first time or? No, I would say like it took a couple weeks or months or something for that to settle in. And then it it's a, it's a really weird way that it happened. It was kind of like a weird panic attack kind of thing where like all the crushing guilt just came down at once and there was no way to get rid of it. It was a fun time of, of, of life. But, um, and that's, you know, that's why I started going to youth group and church and stuff like multiple times, like after going to therapy and dealing with it, like an adult come to find out, it was just like a bunch of anxiety and OCD and, religious trauma and stuff. It's cool. The things that you find out when you're like 30 that you should have <laughs> known when you were like 16 years old. But, um, yeah, there was, there was an event, uh, a, a personal event where shit hit the fan and I just felt completely guilty. I, I told her, you know, we sat down, I told her we had to stop. I, I told her like, I can't live my life this way and I can't date you unless you live your life the way that I'm called to live my life. And it was stressful and it was After super she put immature. Her finger in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. I feel like my understanding of having sex at that point, I would have been like concerned that I got a disease. Like oh, I didn't yeah. correlate that with like having different sexual partners. I just thought that like sometimes having sex gives you diseases. Yeah, I did get a disease, the disease of sin. <laughs> you were born and that's, with that. That's and that, original. That's dog. one you can't take an antibiotic for. <laughs> can't it's go easier. see a doctor about that one. We forgot about the conclusion. Just sing a song with your hands in the air. <laughs> after our conversation we like you were like i need you to be my accountability partner so every single time you guys hung out you would drive to my house after it and i have to smell your dick <laughs> uh, you are i don't mentor. know if we're gonna put this one out i feel i'm going for it here. <laughs> yeah what is no, it that you guys are some of the though? some of the creative ways that we um we tried to abstain from having sex was, which is hilarious. Like it's so 
it's funny for me, probably not funny for her or anybody who's not a Christian to think about it this way, but like, I'm telling her, it's like my beliefs that like, we cannot have sex. She does. She doesn't have any of these hangups at all. So like looking back at it, I'm like, Oh my God, I was a complete psycho for for suggesting any of this. But like we would, I mean, just all the typical Christian things, like all the things that I heard, you know, I took advice from youth pastors and like all this stuff, like, well, don't hang out together and, you know, go hang out in public or hang out with friends instead and never hang out by yourselves. And like, of course, none of that happened, but like, I like, I, I don't know. I gave it a good try for maybe a couple weeks or so. <laughs> it's a real good stint. That it, you know, I feel like uh, yeah, pat myself on the back for that one. <laughs> I think, like, you know, we talked about like being angry and having to work through like your anger and stuff as you as you leave the faith or leave your version, your old version of the faith to, to to your new version or whatever. Like, I think one of the things that makes me the most angry and there's really no one to blame. I mean, it would be silly for me to blame the church or whatever for how I interpreted messages, but just like the amount of stress that, that those like ridiculous beliefs caused April and I during like our dating times. And, and like, it's, it was a time where we should have just been focused on like having fun and getting to know each other. And it should have just been, a great time. And there was always like this black cloud over your head of like, you know, a lot of what we're, uh, what we're, you know, we're, we're getting dangerously close to the line, you know? Yeah. And what's the, the amount line? of, I mean, you just make them up as you go. I mean, the line is technically vaginal sex, but like you honestly are like, but kissing leads to it. So we probably shouldn't make out for, Oh, well then you make out. You're like, I'm definitely not going to touch your boobs. And then it's like, you just keep making up lines and then feeling bad when you cross them and then redrawing them, but still feeling bad. Like it doesn't, you'll feel better when you redraw the line, but you can't go back. It's just so strange. It's a weird thing to experience. That's at least one good one, like really good memory out of the whole thing is like the first time we kissed was on the railroad tracks on uh right by campus you know you could kind of like go down by the side of the campus on the hill there yeah like looking down towards walmart and all that and so i remember like we went down there and we were like sitting and talking and stuff and we ended up kissing and that was the first time i'd ever kissed a girl at all so i remember i had to get back for curfew and i remember getting back from curfew and ryan's like what (laughs) what what do you what? And he's like, what's wrong with you? You're I was like, <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know. What, uh, what, are, what are you talking about? And he's like, did you guys kiss? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> In typical Ryan fashion. He's just like, oh, yeah, that's my boy. <laughs> it's fun. It's, you know, what's funny is making There's obviously a lot of uh, negative aspects of of what that can do. Like, Oh, like holding off to do everything for this long. But in some ways it makes 
all those like first experiences that much more explosive in your brain. You're just like, yeah, what? Like, cause you, it's like, you finally did it and kiss. I never had a problem with like kiss. Like, I didn't really feel like there was any need to abstain from that kind of stuff. I think I didn't internalize. It's a slippery slope, any, Sam. Yeah, I, I know. There was a lot of stuff that I was just like, look where you are now. I know. Yeah. Married with two kids to the same person, the, to my high school girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord blessed me. Okay. It's just, like, come on. I was faithful to God and did, I have uh, a successful marriage. Now. Did your moms try to get you to read I Kiss Dating Goodbye? No. Uh, I feel like I had like a feeling that that book was out there, but like that wasn't popular within my uh, circle. Because they were already, that, that was like, yeah, we've been saying this, dude. Come on, Josh. This is we. This is our <laughs> message. We we made this. No, for, I had yeah. it like uh, my mom just kind of like dropped it around the house. Like they got it probably at, like the homeschool convention. Uh, I don't know if people know what homeschool conventions are, but they're cool. And so she brought that home and was like, hey, "This is here's this book. Like you guys should read it." And we we're like, "Okay." And then we didn't. And it never really came up again. Um, I don't know if my parents ever read it or thought like this is this is right or anything, but it wasn't, I, I got that message. Like, I don't think I would have read anything in that book that I wasn't hearing already. So I was just, I didn't even agree. I just remember when I got that book, I was like, I don't think I agree with that. And I didn't feel weird about it. So I just, we just kind of all ended up ignoring it as a family. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of what happened too. Like I remember my mom, when I, when I started going to a, a, public secular high school my mom giving me that book and being like you should really read this and i i think i read the back of it and just like the overview of what it was about and thinking this is total bullshit and but i didn't say that to my mom obviously i was just kind of like yeah i don't i don't think i agree with this book and i never read it and we just moved on but she tr she tried See, I think the problem was, you know, they were going for this like cool look for the cover. But I think even at that time in our lives, we all knew that fedoras were fucking stupid. <laughs> we're just like, this isn't the guy for us. <laughs> <laughs> Not our guy. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, uh, so talking about Acquire the Fire. So I never got to go to Acquire the Fire, but... I did go to an all-nighter one time. My buddy Jesse and I went with his other youth group, right? And I was really excited to go because his cousin was going to be there, and I liked his cousin a lot. But uh, I, what I re distinctly remember about that, uh, that all-nighter was they had a pool. It was done at like – it was almost like a college campus where they did it. So we were in like the rec center, you know? And they had like time periods during the night when you could go and swim in the pool and stuff. Right. And it was surprisingly, I don't think it was segregated. It was just like girls had to wear once one pieces and that was it. What about modest tankinis? No, no, I no. his no cousin on another youth group ex uh, excursion wore a tankini and they made her wear a giant t-shirt over it. <laughs> She's I'm sure she turned out just fine. <laughs> No internalized shame. But I remember we were we were at the pool and we're like goofing around and stuff. And 
you remember, and maybe Jesse was this guy, but you remember there was always like that one kid that was like extremely hairy for his age. That was, that was Jesse. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I nailed him. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when I met him, he had a beard and I was like, what? Really? Oh yeah. Well, there was one of those kids at the pool. I mean, he was just like, like just a bear, you know? kind of a chubby kid, big, lots of chest hair and stuff like that. And I remember he was wearing a white bathing suit. Yes. And I love where this is going. Keep it up. Dude. I remember him <laughs> That's climbing the first time out of the pool. Cubes. <laughs> <laughs> it was maybe the most notable. <laughs> Dude, this kid climbs out of the pool. And I remember just seeing like, like his dong just flapping. <laughs> like he might as well have been naked. I mean, it was like just all on display. Like the whole <laughs> twig and berries. Oh my God. I was just like, oh my word, there's girls around. <laughs> I remember I had a white bathing suit at one point and it wasn't that obvious, but I remember being like, Oh, this is a problem. And never wore it again. No one said it. It was just like me swimming at a friend's house. It was just like a couple of guys. Like, and if it was noticeable, it was the kind of guys who would have been like, I see your dick. Like it was high school. So it wasn't, of course, people would have said that. But I was like, it's time to retire this bad boy. He doesn't get to see the light of day again. <laughs> well, lucky for us. Dude, uh, I bet you if you would have ended up at the Falls house. So. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, man. It's all on the women well, to just keep uh, us in check, right? Yeah. Make sure they don't – Make sure they're, they're not stumbling blocks for us horn dogs over here. The ball's in your court, ladies. Yep. <laughs> not those balls. Come not <laughs> oh, before we Oh, uh, before we break here. Um, on a more serious note, like given the fact that like Jesse, you're out of the church and Sam just won't admit that he's out. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying Casey. I'm <laughs> he's coming our way I'm here. I... <laughs> our bond is strictly on us trying to make each other just see the light. <laughs> can't you guys give up ever like, now. I'm sure it's hard to narrow it down to like a specific point, but looking back at it now, do you think that the point at which your faith started to fall apart was when you listened to that lady pastor? (laughs) (laughs) Who's this question for? Nobody. It's not a sincere question. Yes. A house built on a foundation of sand. It can't it, cannot stand. If it wasn't for that, I never would have I never would have fallen apart. I really remember feeling so like I, I remember telling Jesse, like, I don't know if I'm like on board with that, but that it wasn't like a total deal breaker. Like I understood that there was different ways of thinking about it or interpreting this or that, but that my understanding was that women shouldn't be doing that. But it's funny because they always got like, if it was a pastor of the church, you've been like, no, 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 no. But then it's a youth pastor and you're like, 
it's just kids. Like, uh, oh, I guess is, they get a little bit of a pass. Like, you didn't take a it a real seriously. gray area. Yeah. I don't know. It could have been a, a slight bit of nepotism there because the youth pastor was the daughter of the head pastor of the church. So he may have, um, yeah. you know, manipulated the scriptures there a little bit to allow her to preach to our formidable minds. We should go back to that church. That poor lady was the only one willing to talk to a bunch of teenagers. Like no (laughs) one else wanted that job. (laughs) Probably not. I mean, given that one of her sermons was being straight edge for Christ. (laughs) (laughs) So she must've noticed that there were a couple like hardcore kids there with X's all over their clothes and, sparked an idea of like yeah that's a that's a that's a great secular idea that i can adopt for christianity dude props to that lady for like doing the research and finding out what straight edge was no one in my church would have known what that was yeah sure yeah i mean straight edge was kind of cool because (laughs) it gave us christians an excuse to like like be part of that scene and then also not drink and do drugs. That's a like, that's a great point. It yeah, was like I was too afraid to drink alcohol or smoke weed or anything, so I just adopted straight edge as my music scene identity. Yeah, and everybody was cool with it. No, no more questions asked. Is like just one more reason that you are better than everybody. And then exactly. at Acquire the Fire, they tried selling T-shirts that said "Straight Edge for Jesus," and then it was just you know made a lame again. Yeah. <laughs> God. All right. Well, dude, thanks for coming on. It was fun hanging out. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, Jesse will definitely be back at some point. So it was a good time. Um, before we break, uh, as always, if you're not in the Discord, definitely jump in there, share your story, let us know where you're coming from and what you've been through. Uh, you can find the links in all of our social media pages. And um, other than that, I mean, if uh, if you're enjoying the show and uh, you can relate to it, you know, we'd appreciate it if you'd leave a review on iTunes, maybe share it with your friends. Think of it as a love offering. Yeah, make us a love offering. <laughs> a faith promise offering, yes. <laughs> Over and above. You still have to tithe, but that's the seed money. It's extra. You know, if you put it out there, uh, the blessings will come back tenfold. <laughs> that's what I heard. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 <laughs>